Welcome back to Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. Uh, once again, Rhiannon is gone. Uh, I have wore my uh, Daredevil t-shirt in honor of ah. Rhiannon gone. But uh, we've got Adam, we've got Michael yeah. T. for the third. And uh, welcome back, guys. How are you doing? It's tonight? the uh, sixth anniversary, I guess. Daredevil first came out this weekend, six years ago. Oh, wow. Uh, I, guess. I remember I... It owning that weekend. Like, it's the only thing anyone talked about. Right. There's a uh, who posted that graphic because I want to call them out. Fandom. Damn it, fandom. They mm-hmm. they posted the uh, Daredevil graphic and then says, pick one. Choice A, Daredevil revived on Disney Plus with OG cast. B, Daredevil reborn on Disney Plus with entirely new cast. Or C, Daredevil 2 with Ben Affleck. Who the hell's choosing C <laughs> out of those options? Some people uh, want to see the world burn, Adam. It's it's infuriating. It's, come on. I understand you needed to flesh out the graphic of more and three choices looks better than two choices, but come on. You know this is a thing that people do now is that whenever a property is coming back around, People decide that they're going to be like the ironic lovers of a of crappy old thing. Yeah. And so, you know, if Daredevil comes to the MCU, like we think, there's going to be the, well, actually, Ben Affleck's Daredevil is masterful. <laughs> like, there's going to be people that are going to do that. There was that oh, yeah. one weekend, what was it, January, maybe February, where everyone's like, well, you know, Fantastic Four is not that bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, what I'm waiting the hell for... do you read about that? What do you mean? I'm waiting for them to come bad. around on Fan Four Stick that oh. way. You know, like it's we're we're only we're only one Marvel reboot away from the piece that says why Josh Trank's Fan Four Stick wasn't was a underrated masterpiece. We watched Amazing Spider-Man 2 last night, or Amazing Spider-Man last night. And I, I don't hate it as much as I remember hating it. Like, it's see, I always loved, I, I always loved the chemistry between Andrew Garfield and Blank Emma Stone and Emma Stone. You know, they just crackled together. So it, that got that got me, and that even kept me through to the second movie, even though there was a lot around it not to like. It, yeah. It's still up there in my like top comic book movie love story romance things. Yeah, right. one of my favorite things is when we watch something with our kids. And they see in it something that a lot of other people see in it, but mm-hmm. because they're not on the internet, you know, it really <laughs> is just un, you know, unfiltered dislike. Right. And so last night we were done. They were both like, um, "Why are we supposed to care about Peter's parents?" And I was like, <laughs> "I don't know. Oh, Nobody right. does know." But I love that you hate that as much as everybody else does. <laughs> right. Yeah. Anytime you and the normies can see eye to eye, it, it's it's so validating. One of the goofy thing before we get started, did you guys see uh Marvel Legends panel yesterday from Hasbro? Did you see some of the cool uh, stuff that's I going saw some of the really guardsmen, I think, is getting a figure. The Iron Heart one's pretty cool. I'm a that's... big fan of the cosplay stuff. Okay. So I don't know if you saw they're coming out with an eye of Agamotto. Oh and yeah, saw that. Legends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. and the cool thing, I mean, first of all, it's only 50 bucks, which is a low price point for them. Mm-hmm. I guess it's small, but it's got like this is so dumb, but I think it's so cool. The the little like aperture or whatever mm-hmm. that in the movie like opens, it's got a button so it's like closed and then it goes to like normal mode and then it opens further and you can like pull out a glowing time gem. Oh, that and is so, cool. Nice. And the way they've worked it, it it charges inside the eye, hmm. but it can pull out easily and stay glowing. So like I would have assumed that it only glows when it's plugged in, right. but it keeps its glow even after you remove it. 
And so I just thought it was pretty cool. Hold on. Did I just see Quasar somewhere? Where can I see this list? Oh, yeah. That one was announced before, but they showed it again yesterday. Wait, I just thought about something. The wheels of my business mind are working. Does that mean that they have the other um, MacGuffins from the previous movies as uh, cosplay items that they could all have removable stones that glow that you could one day put into a gauntlet and have all the colors glow? That would be really cool. So they've already done they've already done both a, a Thanos and an Iron Man gauntlet that already have stones in them. And they do look a little different than the stone does in the eye. So that would be cool though if they like gave you like a Tesseract. The ether mm-hmm. would be probably hard to put into toy form, I would think. But Yeah, well ether was just kind of like a plasma thing. Yeah, it was just like a swirly, like mm-hmm. liquid cloud. It was a liquid yeah. simulation yeah. that they is just. Slime still is slime still in 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 uh, in in uh, favor with the kids. Is that a thing that people are still into? I don't know, because you know they can make it out of like red glowy slime. There you go. Absolutely. I'm scrolling through trying to find Quasar. They have the the uh, what do you want to call it? Three and three quarters inch one. They've had that one. Um, yeah, it, it was a while ago. They <gasps> announced oh, that. that looks so damn cool. <laughs> uh, I haven't bought a legends forever, man. I'll totally probably get the, uh, Ursa major though. That right. That's the build a figure. It's yep. That's, that's cool. the build a figure. Other big thing is there's going to be a has lab. All they've said is it's fantastic four. So we're probably going to get a Galactus. Oh, that's as big oh. as the Sentinel. The Sentinel looks badass. Just talking about toys, a lot of toy talk. <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you, it was a good, it was a pretty good presentation because I was sitting there, I was like, "Oh, I want that so." And my kids are like, "You're such a dork, Dad." You know, like <laughs> the ten year old thought it was b- bizarre how excited I was about toys. Michael and I were talking a little earlier. I guess the biggest news that would affect us as consumers is that Sony has signed a deal with Netflix to release their movies on Netflix as a streaming service. Um, I think, I actually didn't look into this. I believe it's it's still the traditional release window. Yes. Yeah. And so um, this will include, we think, Venom and Morbius. Well, it actually, won't include no. Venom 2 because it's not, this doesn't start this year, right? Right. It starts next year, but they do have the right to uh, license any of the previous movies up to it, including the other Spider-Man movies. And I don't see why they wouldn't. Yeah. So this will definitely include Morbius because I believe that's now a 2022 release. It'll include the next Spider-Verse movie. And most likely we would think uh, while it does not include, as Michael just said, it doesn't include No Way Home because it'll just miss the the cutoff. I'm assuming that they would be very interested in, in putting those movies there as well. And there was some talk that there may be some original programming for Netflix as part of the deal as well. Um, Michael, I know you had a lot of thoughts on this. Uh, what are your thoughts about Sony making this deal? So overall, I love the deal for Sony. It's a very strong deal for them. I think that they had always been speculated for the, ever since the streaming wars kind of kicked off. Sony's lack of a streamer was positioned as a weakness. Um, obviously, you can you can have your thoughts about the the funny accounting that Netflix does in order to maintain its its stranglehold uh, at, at the top of the empire. But they are the big player in streaming, and an alliance with so- Sony only makes their uh, makes it easier for them to to continue to get inventory. But from Sony's perspective, they're not 
going anywhere as long as they put out product that people like. Um, Sony, I mean, as long as Netflix is still happy with the content that they put out. Now, from an IP perspective, we all know that there's a clause that says if they get purchased, then they will lose the Spider-Man rights, which are extremely valuable to them. So having someone who's just willing to fill their coffers rather than buy them outright keeps them in the position to keep putting out Spidey stuff. So it's great for it's great for Sony. Now, if you're a Marvel fan, you might say yay, but maybe not. You know, I think there are two possible pathways to where things could get a little hinky. You know, the first is that, you know, a lot of the articles said that, well, Netflix is back in the Marvel business and in a way they are. Mm-hmm. Um, what what they could p- potentially want to do is kind of remind people about the old um, content that they used to have. Um, the You know, remind them of the uh, Defenders verse, if you will and make that library content more valuable by using Spidey stuff to remind people of uh, Daredevil, Heroes for Hire, and all of that. This is really bizarre. (laughs) There's nothing that would stop Sony from doing a Kingpin show with Vincent D'Onofrio, correct? Um... Think so. I think there is. I think that there. I mean, I think they. What's the name? Going to have to sign off on that. I think. I think Marvel would have to sign off on it. Okay. I just. I had. I was. I mean, Sony has shares rights to Kingpin, right. obviously, because it's mm-hmm. Spidey. So. Yeah. Exactly. But I think that. But I think that that we could see a lot of things like that. We could see a lot of Sony now wants to do a Kingpin series with Spidey characters in them. Um, Sony would wants to do a um, a Ben Urich. Uh, newspaper, you know, newspaper thing with uh, with J. Jonah Jameson, you know, and have some of those like heroes for hire Marvel care, try to get those characters into Sony projects whenever they whenever they can. And, and to the extent that Netflix, any in appearance by those characters makes people more interested in the Netflix characters, that could be something that Sony could be actively in, I mean, sorry, that Netflix could be actively in Sony's ear you know, requesting. I mean, to me, that's of the two scenarios, that's the better of the two scenarios. The The bad scenario, of course, is that we saw how bad it got when they were trying to re-up the Spider-Man deal between Marvel and Sony. And everyone was basically saying, well, we already know that you guys are unreliable in terms of the quality of your content without Marvel in their creative control. Netflix could very easily say look we've we've done these pro- we've done comic book properties before we've adapted and some of these things have been have been well received we can help you creatively if you just pull off from marvel completely you know take your ball and go home and go to you know go into business with us right. obviously there's an existing deal and i don't know when that expires for um spider-man tv with amazon so it wouldn't be a fully connected and a fully integrated universe, but it's still something that um, that Netflix could play around with in terms of building out all of that, all of that uh, Spider-Man content that we joke about. You know, the the Aunt May series, the Cardiacs, the uh, <laughs> Night Watch. You know, all of those uh, smaller web characters, <laughs> web sling. Exactly. You know, Sony. I mean, we we definitely don't trust Sony's ability to make those projects, but maybe we, maybe we trust Netflix a little bit more. 
Right. I mean, we've heard Sony's trying to sell the entertainment stuff forever, right? I think Apple almost bought them two years, three years ago, something like that. So, I mean, like Mike just said, it is the a win-win situation. The good thing about all the Spidey characters is, is they're all street-level type characters, right? I would assume mm-hmm. like someone like Tombstone is a Spidey character still, right? Yeah, yeah I think so. Um, so, the, I mean, it's it's... Defenders vs. 2.0. I'm, is um, Sony's Amazon deal for Spider-Man TV stuff? I thought it was just Silk. I thought it was addition. I thought it was that. the Lord and yeah. I thought it was the Lord and Miller. Oh, they have Lord Miller um, stuff. stuff, but maybe and not. that's the thing. I mean, Lord Miller at Sony, you know, and Into the Spider Verse is one of the best superhero films ever made, you know. So if Lord Miller did do live action stuff as well, I mean, we have no reason to doubt it would be Venom or Amazing Spider-Man 2 or something like that. You well, know? The, the property that I would love to see adapted, whether it, and, and I guess it would fit as a direct-to-streaming um, series, is uh, Superior Foes of Spider-Man. I don't know if you guys read that. Um, it was a Nick Spencer run that basically is like a, a wannabe Sinister Six um, who it, Spider-Man's always off-panel um, it is, it's where it's where a boomerang um, kind of comes into the fore as one of his big characters. I'm trying to remember the others, but there's a lot of of the of the, the old uh, bar with no name and just the underworld dealings. And I think Kingpin is the big bad of that. Like I could totally see it's got that right kind of mix of comedy and uh, superhero action that I think could really pop for people. Assuming that everything we've heard is right about you know, Sony losing Spidey if they sell the company, it really becomes an incredible poison pill for ever selling Sony. It's like, hey, I've got a house to sell you, but the roof and the furnace and all of the plumbing disappears as soon as I sell the house to you. You know, like, I mean, it's just so much of the value of Sony is in Spider-Man that it's it really puts them in an impossible position to even try to sell their entertainment side if they wanted to. Right. In much the same way, if you were in that position, what you would probably do instead is just sign a series of long-term leases that effectively do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, It's also interesting that we've heard some, like a lot of smoke, but no fire about maybe a Spider-Woman project Mm -hmm. and that it would be done in conjunction. I mean, I've heard things as explicit as, oh, it's going to be a Disney Plus show. It's going to be Sony and, and Disney working together and I don't think any of that is very firm. I don't think we can trust where a lot of that's come from. But I am fascinated with the exclusivity of this stuff. Yeah. And if even the Am- recent, sorry to cut you off, yeah. but even the recent rumors, um, I, I think it might have been Charles who, who reported that or it could have been Illuminati, um, the, the, them splitting off into two Spider-Man franchises, one with Holland and one with uh, whoever they cast for Miles Morales. You know, I think that, all of those kind of expansions of the Sony Spider-Man um, deal are a little bit imperiled now that um, Netflix might want first dibs on those things. Yeah, it's it's fascinating to me to find out how exclusive things are because, as you mentioned, like Amazon has got their hand in the pot trying to do at least Silk, if not more. There was talk that there was going to be a whole animation universe pulling out of the Spider-Verse. But now Netflix has got some kind of contract with them. And then Marvel clearly has another contract of some kind. And there was rumors that that was going to expand. And so it's, I do feel that Sony has become 
a little bit like DC and that we see a million things that supposedly are happening at, at, mm-hmm. at Sony with Spider-Man and then very few of them actually become reality. And that's hard to really tell it, what they've been up to. It comes back to the culture. We had the culture discussion the other day, you know, there's stuff at Marvel studios that they've put in development that they've either not done or pushed right. to the side. Right. I mean, yeah. there's just ideas and stuff thrown out and it just comes down to the culture. Nobody's leaked it. You know, maybe they have tinkered with like a Nova or a Quasar, or maybe there was a rocket raccoon and Groot series <laughs> but then they repurposed it into I am Groot, you know? So, I mean, Marvel Studios does develop stuff um, that doesn't come out, um, and it just yeah. comes down to the, the of it. But, I mean, I'm not going to say no to more superhero stuff, you know? I'm going to uh, watch Jupiter's Legacy even, man. I mean, you know, I'm going to watch superhero <laughs> stuff no matter, no matter what it is. Good on them for trying to make it work, man. They own one of the biggest superhero ips in in the whole game you know why not try to make something out of it and netflix has always i mean i won't say always but at least in the last few years has been so eager for ip that it can expand i mean it wants to be a disney competitor in every in every sense and you know they put a lot of resources into stranger things into making that something that they could build off as far as merchandise and as far as spinoff IP. Now, you know, getting into the Spider-Man business is, you know, extremely lucrative. Obviously, we know that Disney still controls those merchandise rights, but um, I'm sure they're going to push. I'm sure they're going to try to see what they can, what they can wrangle out of that, that is maybe, could maybe be Netflix produced rather than um, Disney produced. Well, and I think the best of both worlds that is my secret hope for what's going to end up happening here is that Sony realizes it can do it both. You know, they can have a Sony Spider-Man universe and then they can have Tom Holland and MCU Spider-Man and they can even interact in multiversal settings, Mm -hmm. but that they don't, they don't have to pick between them. They can make a ton of money on Tom Holland MCU Spider-Man stuff in conjunction with Disney Plus and they can do their own universe or universes and they'll be okay with that. I mean there was a rumor this week from a not reliable source that they're kicking around the idea of Spider-Man 4 uh you know Sam Raimi with to- coming with back Toby Maguire yeah. old, old good old Toby. I mean Toby's my age, right? Isn't he in his 40s? I would <laughs> think so, yeah. He was in his 30s when he- he was in, in high school. In so, first so Toby can play Uncle Ben. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> there was someone on Twitter that was, uh, why are, why do you think people are so against the multiverse? I don't, a multiverse is a no lose situation. You guys don't want me on my soapbox for why I don't like the multiverse. Um, are so- you one of the anti multiverse people? <laughs> So here's here's the thing. I'm not I joke about being anti-multiverse, but what I am is anti-multiverse as a crutch. Um I think that once you introduce the con- concept of infinite worlds, our world sort of mathematically becomes less less important. You know, like it's, and then all the other worlds that are not our worlds aren't important either because they're fungible because there's a, a, a ton of them. You can just f- find yourself another world when one gets destroyed. Why do we care about these these stakes anymore if you've ma- if you've multiplied the the level in which those stakes 
in relative to one another don't matter. Like if, if, if my uh, favorite character dies, but we can go to another world, grab that character, pull him back into the world. Isn't that really silly? Doesn't it really start to fall apart? Um, all the, the, the balance of the foundations of what, of what your stories are when everything is instantly replenishable. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent with Michael on this. As far as what I love about the MCU is that, death still matters and that when people die in the mcu it has impact and to me gamora is the best example um you know gamora's death in infinity war is kind of because we've got another version of her back and she's still in guardians and you know maybe they'll do it in a great way that there's still a cost and that that's i mean that's fine i'm not saying that it necessarily will be bad but I do not like a world where you can just erase every consequence of anything that happens in your universe by just plucking somebody out of a similar universe somewhere else. Yeah, I don't, we can't really talk about consequences that way because WandaVision just ended with Scarlet Witch dipping without paying anything for her actions. Sure, but I mean, it's still out there as a as another shoe to drop. Like they could revisit Westview. I was talking to uh, one of my one of you know friends on the internet about the idea of Mordo showing up like five minutes after the end of WandaVision. You know, kind of like that guy who chases the A team. You know, being like, ah, oh, magic again. You know, I got to chase down Wanda and her. You know, she's got to pay for the for the she's got to pay a price for what she's done. You know, there's a there. He's that's his whole thing. The bill comes due. So even if she's not paying the price right now, she could pay the price in the future. Right, but yeah. I mean, it, that's a crutch in and of itself. I mean, we've seen it before, countless times with the MCU of where they not necessarily retcon stuff, but iron things out in later sure movies and shows to make preview. We just saw it with Age of Ultron, you know. Right. Um, But I would say what's worse to me than Wanda's consequences or lack thereof in WandaVision would have been if at the end of WandaVision, the cops would have shot her and she would have died. And then a portal opens up and another 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 Wanda walks in and goes, I never held anybody captive. And now I'm Wanda in this universe. And now you can love me again. Like right. that's way oh, cheaper than what oh, happened. Yeah, of course that's cheaper. But are you telling me like, say Endgame would to take place in like 2025 or whatever. I mean, could you imagine a portal opening up and like Wesley Snipes Blade coming through or, you know, Toby and Andrew and, or Hugh Jackman Wolverine, you know, that type of stuff. I mean, that's. Uh, I wouldn't want it. Of, I wouldn't want it. I You like, say that now. I mean, it's pure fan I, service and that's what that final Endgame fight was anyway. So why not? go full if there was a way if they wanted to they could have the defenders in that final scene i mean they really probably could have if they wanted to you know all right i'll take a step back i'll say if it's just for fan service if it's just for one scene like i said i my favorite spider-man movie is into the spider-verse and that's multiverse all over the place but one it's animated two it embraces the silliness of it and it doesn't really ask you to buy in to the same extent that we're buying in to the MCU. You know, like, I don't know how I'd feel about 10 years of the future of the Interspider into the Spider-Verse story. You know, just for that one movie, it worked, but I don't know if it can work as the foundation of all of the Spider-Man stories that they want to tell. Yeah, I think the bigger thing for me is I just, 
I love something that has a strong sense of canon and you know what has and yeah. has not happened. And so like, I mean, Adam, we both love Black Hammer. I think one of the things that makes Black Hammer appealing is that it hasn't spun off into 8 billion things so that you don't even know the universe you're into. Like, I love Marvel Comics, but I still hate the fact that, like, a character will show up. Every time I see Hope and or Rachel Summers in the X-Books, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, crap, I gotta go back to Wikipedia and figure out which one of these people is which. Because I can't <laughs> ever remember who Hope and Rachel are. Like, and it's just, it's so complex and it's so layered that it loses even me. And so I do like having one of the great things about the MCU is that it's been a digestible right. universe that has a, a but it's not a always going to be that. I mean, we've seen that, you know, how many we've talked about how many characters Falcon and winter soldiers introduced, mm-hmm. you know, and they brought back they're, AO. They're not and, all surviving, however. <laughs> right. But I mean, it's the thing. I mean, there's going to be one point. I mean, it's the MCU is not the most accessible for new people by this point you know yes. just imagine once there's seven shows this year and another five next year you know as as rapidly as that comes up so that's the thing about multiverse i mean who cares because everything anything can happen everything is technically canon why but that's the scary uh, part the first thing you said is who cares and that's and that's the part where you could lose, like, as someone who constantly evangelizes to people of like limited uh, investment in the MCU and, and comic books in general. When when you get to that point of it's like anything can happen, who cares? They're not going to buy in to the same extent that we've bought in because. Right. But because, I don't know. But if if you're only a fan of the MCU because of its continuity and canon, I mean that discount discounts dozens and hundreds of filmmakers and storytellers and creators and actors and all that stuff, you know, I mean, they're still going to tell stories. I mean, I don't know, whatever we're, we're getting away from Falcon and Wonder. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, it's, it, it all comes back to the stupid continuity stuff and agents of shield and the defenders and, and all that stuff. I mean, look at, I always compared to like, I, Mike, you said something about the CW shows and DC's the multiverse. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, they had, they had Ezra Miller flash pop up on the CW thing. And that's probably one of legitimately one of the most ambitious crossovers superhero stuff's ever seen, you know, and it's just stuff like that. I mean, these shows won't be around because if not the fans, you know, Right. So why not? Why not? Why not fan service? People throw around fan service as if it's a bad thing, but these movies aren't aren't art house black and white Scorsese pieces. You know, it's not the. I'm not looking for like life lessons or anything out of Marvel stuff. But I I look at. But I look at fan service as the icing on the cake, where you can't build a cake out of pure icing. Yeah. Yeah, but those I, are the better cakes. <laughs> I, I, I see. I, I'm with Michael on this. And I think, I mean, one of the thoughts I had as you were talking is it, it reminds me a little bit of Hall of Fames. Like you've probably mm-hmm. heard if you're into sports that like there's small hall people and large hall people. In other words, should a Hall of Fame be really exclusive to where you have to be truly, truly great? And even some players 
who really were really, really, really good, they get left out because your standards are really high? Mm -hmm. Or, oh, are we going to make it pretty broad so that anybody who is significant in the sport makes it in? And it's just a preference thing. Some people like small hall, you know, like it when they're very selective and some people like it when they're less selective. And I think multiverse can be a bit that way. I think the bigger question as far as even beyond what we like, but beyond like the business or, but in like the business and the value of what Disney is building, you open up the doors too big. You really, you become fan service at the expense of a more casual viewer. Right. Right. Cause right now I'm doing an MCU watch with our, our second oldest kid mm-hmm. and we're having to do five somewhat terrible spider-man movies i'm sorry i don't love the old raimi movies as much as i used to because i find them kind of boring but we've done like four weeks in a row now of old spidey movies because by the time she gets to no way home i feel like she's gonna have to have watched those movies to make sense of it and you just it doesn't make sense to me to have like an 18 year old consumer who's loved the holland movies showing up at a theater and then all of a sudden, you know, Alfred Molina jumps out as Doc Ock and they go, who the heck is that? What is this? Why is this in this movie? Where, what is, what's going on? Right. It, and at I, some point fan service becomes so narrow that it only appeals to like the diehards, you know? Right. And personally, one of the things that I've always kind of believed, you know, in terms of comparing, you know, the MCU and um, WB was that the concept of the reboot you know, the concept of saying we kind of screwed up a couple movies here and there. So we're going to start from scratch. We're going to give you a, an entry point where you can come in. You've not, if you've not watched the previous movies, if you don't like the previous movies. If you, you know, clean slate to clean slate, we start now and, you know, judge us on what we have from this point to the next, you know, to the next point. That has been extremely lucrative for both companies. You know, the the Dark Knight, the whole Nolan trilogy was based on the idea of rebooting Batman, which at the time was 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 imagine we 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 can't even imagine how badly Batman was 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 bungled. At, but it, it was. And and they rebooted it. They made a billion dollars first comic book movie to do that. Marvel rebooted. They, t- they had all these disparate continuities. They had all these disparate ideas for what they wanted to do when they put their characters on the big screen to mix success. And they said, don't worry, guys, we have, you know, we start here, Iron Man. This is the foundation for everything that we're going to do. And people bought in. And and now we're in the situation where why do we want to, we don't want, we shouldn't want to reboot the MCU. We should, we, we think they're doing really well with it. And at this point, the idea of reaching back and trying to bring in these other movies that have, for one reason or another, not succeeded. These other franchises, the other incarnations that ha- that that petered out, for lack of you know, part of the pun, um, into into Spider Man. As a Spider Man fan, I don't need it. You know, I'm really happy with what they're doing with their Spider Man stuff, and I want to see what the future holds. I don't need them to look back into the past, and I don't think that the casual fan really needs it either. So that's the line, like how much fan service is too much fan service where you lose the, both the current audience and the future audience. We spent a lot of time and that was good. Let's do the other news pretty quickly. And none of this is really sure. all that important. Um, so I'm going to just say all the other things that I have on my list. And if you have something that you find interesting, let me know. 
so what I had left on my, on my news list, uh, Black Widow, there's been some analysis that maybe it tripled its box office by delaying. Um, we'll see if that's true. Captain Marvel 2 is going to start filming here very soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple different projects did some different uh, cast work this week. Uh, the particular one that was noticed was Renee Elise Goldsberry has been added to uh, She-Hulk. Uh, she was in Hamilton mm-hmm. and there are some Shang, uh, Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi, I'm trying to get onto yeah. Feige's pronunciation, <laughs> Shang-Chi uh, pops that have been revealed that I think Adam might find very interesting, <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. we can talk about any of that that you guys thought was cool before we move on to the Loki trailer. Yeah, I'm, man, there's a GD dragon. Uh, <laughs> this, I would not, I do not have a doubt in my mind that they repurposed the iron fist script for shang chi with the the plot for uh, about a tournament and the, the ten rings and the awakening of a dragon all that stuff i've i've tried my damnest to get my hands on that 2014 iron fist script but it's studio so it's under lock and key and and all this stuff i got the um you know ray park was supposed to be iron fist at one point you I guys didn't. remember that? Yeah, it was uh who made that deal? Um, it starts with an A. Is there like uh I don't know, neither here mm-hmm. nor there. That was when they were doing like uh Blade and Black Panther and Iron okay. Fist, and uh I think Ghost Rider was lumped in that group with like New Line or, or something like that. But anyways, mm-hmm. uh oh, yeah, cool. It's so do um, you think as you know, as the uh, resident Iron Fist fan on, on the on the show, do you think that there'll be a Danny Rand cameo in Shang-Chi? Never ever. Nope. I would be very surprised if we ever see Danny Rand in live action. Again, just honestly, I don't I don't think we'll have Danny Rand in live action. Wow. I mean, I would love to. I don't think he's certainly not going to be white Danny Rand. Um I'll say that okay. much, especially after the the TV show stuff. Um, I do not think there will be a comic accurate Iron Fist, hmm. which okay. means to say I'm not opposed to that. You know, I would love nothing more for them to cast uh, like Jessica Henwick as Danny Rand, but like Danielle Rand or hmm. something. You know, I would love to see Henwick in that role because she killed it in the show. Uh, but yeah, dra- of course they're going to have a dragon. It's studios. Of course they're <laughs> going to do the dragon. I'm not sure if it's the final dragon. Uh, I do think there's maybe multiple dragons. Uh, and that, Caleb, you said this so many times before, and the Shang-Chi Pops came out, and then the Shang-Chi uh, Marvel Legends came out, and the, the Marvel Legends practically spell out the entire plot. I mean, we we found out all sorts of stuff. From that, we still haven't gotten one piece of promo art or costume art or key art or whatever the hell you want to call it. Why? Yeah. Why can't we get something official? They, they I personally think secret. I think I, we're going to get a teaser trailer inside of the month. I think that on that um, that old Blackwood, I I wouldn't be surprised if the week after, either the week of or the week after uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier ends. We get we start getting a little bit of teaser promo for um, for Shang Chi. Yeah, I've I've worked up a piece, and we'll see uh, if I actually finish it uh, to write for Charles Murphy, just for a fun thing to throw on his website. Because people are always asking him about trailers, 
and I have my somewhat exhaustive, ridiculous spreadsheet of trailer dates and how mm-hmm. they've related to the you know release date of movies. And I, I had the same thought as I was going through it. If Shang-Chi is going to come out when they say it's going to come out, it needs a trailer real soon. It is already closer to the release date than than the average. And but the movies are more be... bunched. The movies are in the second half of the year are more bunched than they've ever been. You know, and yeah, that's and that's what's a little bit co- of a complication. It is, but there's also just been a real reticence by Marvel to put anything out until they're confident. I'll go this far: if I if we don't see a trailer for Shang Chi by May first, I don't think Marvel's putting it out in September like they say they are you know like i think it's gotta they gotta start promoting it if they're gonna put it out in my mind i was targeting may 7th because that was the original uh the original date for black widow yeah you know so i could see them making that date matter a little bit yeah like yeah that that that's and that's close i mean I, i think that's true but it is bizarre to have a movie that's been filmed and I mean, at the rate we're going, they're going to lock that thing for ratings before we see a trailer for it, which is, I don't know, is this a a social, not social media, is this like a streaming thing, like bleeding over to studios now that they're just shortening the the promotion window for films? Why not? It's cheaper. Yeah, and it is cheaper. Also, I mean, I think that, I think that it's totally different in, in terms of a call to action. Um, getting people to buy tickets to a movie, which a lot of people want to do ahead of time, and they and they get get a good press about how fast the pre-sales and the sellouts of all the tickets happen. Um, there's just a, a, a lot of advantages in the in the industry to having that happen a little further out from when the movie comes out, as opposed to just saying, "Hey, you know, this is our stream. This is our thing that drops." this date on the stream, you just have to remember it in about a month or two. Um, this is where we're going to be. Just click over to your Disney plus and we'll be right there. Pay our 30, your 29 99 for premium access. Like it, like black widow doesn't need the same amount of promotion for premier access as it would for trying to, you know, make a billion dollars in the box office. I generally agree with that. Uh, if, however, my theater is going to have limited seating and reserved seatings because of COVID restrictions, I do want plenty of time to pick which showing I'm going on July right, 9th, right. you know, to like be able to get my, uh, my well, seat the, so I'm happy. But that's the other question, right? I mean, you know, if I haven't been paying as close attention to what the president is saying, but he had, hadn't he pointed out sort of July 4th yeah. as as like when he would hope that we everyone would be fully vaccinated and presumably all of the restrictions would be lifted by then. Yeah. Um, it's particularly when it comes to um, capacity restrictions. If, if Shang-Chi's coming out a week after that, then it does make sense for them to wait. You know, it does make sense for them to really see, particularly in that decision of about whether they're even going to do premier access for Shang-Chi because Shang-Chi if it ends up being the first movie, the first Marvel movie that doesn't, you know, that this year, you know, the new phase that you have to actually go to the theaters to see that they're, they're going to have to ramp a lot of promotion in a short amount of time. But I think that's what they're going to do. We did get a trailer this week. Let's talk about Loki a little bit. Uh, we got a second look at Loki and they mm-hmm. continue to drop trailers kind of early for this one compared to other, you know, we just talked about shortening that window. <laughs> 
Loki trailers have come out about a month earlier than the other shows uh, trailers have come out for Disney Plus. Uh, what did you guys think of our, our latest look at that show? Loved it. Loved, Loved it. every yeah. second of it. Man, I'm so damn hyped for this show. I don't. I, I don't know. It's just. It's got a, a really distinct style, you know. So kudos to to the the production designer and stuff. I'm getting serious. Um, Umbrella Academy type vibes. It's like a postmodern or, or uh, almost steampunky type vibe, I guess. <laughs> um, it's just uh, just the TVA's this time traveling thing, and they're using like uh, mid century televisions as their monitors and stuff like that it's just it's got cool uh vibes like that yeah i'm definitely into it i mean i i would it would be interesting if loki was actually dropping in may i think my anticipation would be twice what it is now i'm trying to temper that because i know that when falcon winter soldier ends we're gonna have to wait about six weeks before before we even longer than that maybe right what's the exact date June 11th. June 11th. Oh, so it might be closer to eight weeks. You know, I want to, I want to try to not be on edge about how great this trailer is and how much I would love it injected directly into my veins. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it's about six. So the last episode of Falcon Winter Soldier hits on the 23rd. Okay. So the 30th mm-hmm. will be off the 7th, 14th, 21st, 28th and fourth so yeah there'll be six weeks in between okay. one of those will be filled up by a um assembled you know the documentary right exactly um, it does seem to me more and more that they really care about uh giving bad batch its own space you know mm-hmm. i think that'll be part of disney plus's perspective is to give star wars stuff some some room and we have to you know you know obviously we've talked about this often on the the podcast that you still, you really have to give star Wars kudos for using their live action and their uh, animated in tandem to build that cohesive universe. I think that the Mandalorian season two probably helped uh, increase people's interest in clone wars and, and probably rebels as well, which has, which will I would not be surprised if, if uh, the bad batch does great numbers on Disney plus uh, after, after everything that we've seen over the last year. Well, and it's no accident that they're putting Fennec Shand into that show. Oh yeah. I forgot like, about that. Oh, she's a Mandalorian character that we introduced there, but now we're going to tell you when she was younger, but put it in a show. That's a clone war spinoff. I mean, it's, it's, it's a yeah. good universe building. We'll All right. Uh, talking about Loki is um, I still feel like we don't have a, ton of plot i mean it seems that he's going to be going with the tva to try to stop divergences in the time uh stream but i don't know does it did it feel almost like it might be a little procedural i hate to say like monster of the week but so what's funny is that like the vibe i got from the trailer was quantum leap with loki Okay. I loved Quantum Leap. So, you know, sign me up. Yeah. I mean, Kevin has described it as a crime thriller as well, which I'm not really getting crime vibes. No, I'm not getting that either. Yeah. He, he, I I read that quote last night that he called it a crime thriller. Oh, it was interesting that they uh, introduced the variants, right? Oh, right. That goes back to the multiverse. 
discussion <laughs> sort but, of yeah sort of to me it was like a pandemic discussion like oh we <laughs> variant is a word that suddenly has become charged <laughs> in a different way right. than it was uh, four weeks ago <laughs> right. uh, i mean we'll, we'll just see how crazy this gets you know they could keep showing us this stream with the branches that we've seen twice now you know in two different 3d and 2d you know but we'll see how how crazy they get and how they explain it with loki to see if it's something that that can work in here i mean the guy that wrote loki already got a, a gig right in a movie so oh who was that do you have michael waldron i think he's, he's okay i've heard the Rick name and yeah. I think he got Doctor Strange too. It's super interesting that they change writers all the time, and it, the only the initial one gets reported, and they change it because Strange Two had someone, and then someone, and then Michael Waltron, and then Eternals had the Furple Brothers, but apparently they got canned, and now Chloe uh, Zhao wrote the wrote the final script they used. Well, don't they do don't they do kind of like bake sales now with their with their scripts? where they kind of present the pitch and they and they have different uh writers and writers groups present yeah, there's scripts. i mean black widow's gonna end up having captain marvel is the same way black widow's gonna have four or five credits i think eric pearson got the final credit and he wrote thor ragnarok even though jack schaefer started it and it went through two other people too um but it's great we'll see uh loki man it's uh I don't know. I, I, I like the vibes. Uh, that's, I mean, we've seen Lady Loki, I think at the end was Richard E. Grant, which I'm assuming is another Loki variant, right? Mm-hmm. I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, and maybe Kid Loki. Maybe Kid Loki. Um, we saw him do magic. We haven't seen him do magic before, right? Just the illusions. Have we actually seen him cast spells? Cause there's that moment where he tossed uh, a green spell, like you would see Wanda or something. I think the closest was when he makes the offhand comment about getting to Earth or something. Like, do you know how much? Oh no, it was Thor, I guess. Who's who makes a comment about how much black magic has to be done in order to get through a back door to Earth from Midgard when the Rainbow Bridge is destroyed? Mm-hmm. That that might have been Loki. I mean, I just thought about the fact that um, you know, Doctor Strange identified him as a as a powerful magic user, so you know, he got the got the stamp of approval there but but we actually haven't seen him use it and it's green magic so what's that mean with our whole the hierarchy of magic the parliament of mcu magic i don't know it sounds like a future piece adam yeah, you know the you uh, know you know damn well it is going to be but the, the magical uh, color spectrum yeah. and you could start speculating on who wields what color and with so. this trailer we got a confirmation of Rav- excuse me ravana as one of the major players who oh, yeah. is uh, a love interest of Kang the Conqueror, which yeah. we always thought we were going Kang direction, but I feel like this is good confirmation that that's, that's where it is going to head. And hopefully that means that we'll see more Google and Bathu Ra in, um, in, in other, in other projects. If she's got that connection to Kang. Yeah. Um, he flat out said timekeepers too. I mean, we kind of got that from the statues, right? But uh confirmation of the the timekeepers and stuff i I mean i'm enjoying falcon and winter soldier but loki is taking us probably back to wandavision spec and then some Mm -hmm. um just because there's time and variance and and all sorts of stuff i mean uh variety reported lady sif's gonna be in it and i think loki shouted brother out in one of the trailers maybe and we see the bifrost so maybe heimdall stuff um Hmm. 
Well, I suppose we'll see. Adam, you used a phrase that to me was really my big takeaway when you said it has its own tone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I should know this, but Marvel Studios has given us three distinctly different shows off the bat here with Disney Plus. Right. And, the, you know, given what they've done in the movies, it shouldn't surprise me. But when you had this much volume, I think there's a little bit in the back of my mind that was asking the question, like, are we going to get things that feel really distinct? Are these shows going to be different? Or is this going to be the Disney plus Marvel hour every week? And it'll just be a slightly different thing here or there. And the fact that they have been giving these creative teams, I think some pretty good license to do something as a distinctly them show Mm -hmm. has been great. And they've really avoided things feeling too samey. And it's one of the things that Marvel, I think, has, frankly, over a Star Wars. Uh, I'm a little afraid that between Boba Fett and Mando and Obi-Wan, that is going to feel a little bit like the same show. You know, like just because it's that universe, I think, has a little more limits and constraints on it. And so I, I think they've done a very good job to create distinct entities with each of these shows with their own tones and such. Yeah, and that's a really good point. I think I think one of the limitations, or or I won't say limitations, but tensions with uh, fan base, with and expectations of the fan base in Star Wars, is that they want it to feel like Star Wars in a way that I think Marvel does. You know, when when people say they want it to feel like Marvel, they they really just mean kind of like the feeling it gives you of uh, satisfaction, <laughs> um, like a, of the characters being true you know, true to how we understand them and, and that stories, you know, kind of building in a, in a logical way, there's a lot more freedom in terms of tone um, with, with the Marvel stuff as opposed to the star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. I've said it many times. Loki was something I had zero interest in when it first happened. It felt a little multiversey to me. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, I don't know. You know, it's, it's a character that has died in the main continuity and I've never just loved Loki is fine and just not been my favorite character, but with every trailer, it really just continues to improve in my mind of how much I'm excited about that show. And I think the, the marketing for this has been really brilliant to make me feel excited about it again. Right. All right. Uh, we've been talking a while. Let's talk about Falcon and Winter Soldier. We had episode four last night. Yeah. Um, it's, I felt like this was a much more direct, I mean, they, they've start stop building things i feel like and they're starting to like i mean we're right at the climax of our second act right this is uh you know the three-act structure episode four so we got the escalation that we were probably all anticipating you know we got the you know juiced up juiced up um john walker uh copped in america you know we got a r.i.p battlestar You know, the man, he was he was wearing a red shirt under that uniform the whole time. Um, you know, we're we're still a little bit unclear about what the Flag Smashers are trying to do. But we know that uh, there's a little bit of conflictedness on the part of Carly. We got our Sam stepping up into, you know, getting one step closer to realizing that he's the man for the job to be capped. Michael, did you see uh, Nando versus Movies video this week about the missing plot line? I did not. Falcon? No. Okay. It's really interesting because he feels like the Flag Smashers are kind of missing some motivation. Mm-hmm. And he's got a pretty good theory that the motivation when this was first written 
was that there's a pandemic going on and that the GCR is not allowing poor people to get a hold of the vaccine. Oh. And that then a real pandemic happened and they had to completely write that out because it would be way too topical. And he kind of traces, he really kicks off on the mother figure that they lose. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, that she died of tuberculosis and not of the... Whatever, of the pandemic the, yeah the pan- and his the- big thing is like we have treatments for like tuberculosis still kills people but like mm-hmm. we have treatments for it and you don't need to go to the power broker to ask for tuberculosis treatment yeah but well, remember when a- i had said remember when i had said last week that we we were missing a line of dialogue about how her cure specifically yeah was was there in the in the grc facility that she blew up yeah um but but yeah, I mean, I could buy that. I could totally buy that. And I could see why, especially given what, what, we're, what we're meant to think about the, the Flag Smashers as opposed to what people who are out in the world now think about, you know, vaccine rollout, um, how that might be just a little bit too close to home and a little bit too, um, you know, frustrating in terms of the politics yeah. for something that Marvel wouldn't want to touch. Yeah, and one of the things Nando's done a good job showing in several different movies and things is one of the big keys is that the tuberculosis thing is all talked about in ADR. You never see Mm. a person talking about it. It's always like a voiceover. And that's a big sign to him. Oh, that was something that got changed because you didn't have footage. This is is the type of stuff where we're we're creating non-canon explanations for the story at hand to make it seem better. No. Oh, I'm not. I'm not trying to defend it at all. I'm saying, I I agree. Um, I think what I was saying is, it seemed to me, Michael, you were talking about the Flag Smashers' motivation, and I think it's a plausible explanation for why the Flag Smashers aren't landing with certain people. Mm-hmm. Is they had is if they had to rip out a pandemic subplot that made them more likable. But it's it's just more about like what is their overarching motivation? Like what are they trying to accomplish? Whereas if there's a pandemic that they're trying to stop and they're trying to disseminate resources to people who don't have it, now there is an underlying motivation that it explains why they're doing what they're doing beyond just the 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 very very vague. They want to restore the utopia that used to be in the in you know in the Thanos snap because what I was thinking was a possible storyline that had been removed was the idea of them having a virus that would wipe out half the population you know which would of course make them incredibly evil um but it, but if but wouldn't be tenable right now while right. we're still in a pandemic yeah Adam how are you feeling about this episode uh, it's probably the first one where I could take or leave it. Yeah, Mike, you did say something of um, about Sam becoming Captain America, and I noticed that. But then he said the the stuff with um, with Carly that I kind of was taken aback by his messaging, where where he just flat out agrees with the Flake Smashers and admits to agreeing with them, even though he knows they just blew up a building and killed three people and probably made several others permanently disabled and, and things like that. I just thought that was kind of bit of a, a dangerous thing. I am I am in the camp, Caleb. I saw you you talking with one of uh, the friends of our show um, about Marvel television, and I will say it does feel like six episodes isn't going to 
going to be enough. Um, just judging by what we know, it's WandaVision. WandaVision most certainly needed at least one more episode. Um, and here the, the 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 plots are starting to converge a little bit, but at the same time, it's. I mean, we knew John Walker's a piece. Of, I mean, we we knew this was coming. You know, um, we still have stuff like the power broker. I would assume's next episode. Everyone keeps talking about this episode five reveal. Who's it's probably going to be nobody. <laughs> so I want to pour. I want to pour water on the power broker thing. I, I mentioned this on my podcast uh, last night. Is that I would love for them to reveal who the power broker is in the first five minutes of the next episode, just to remind us that he's nobody. Um, right. you know, um, that the power broker and the GRC are in bed together and you see one guy, uh, he picks up one phone and he's the power broker and he picks up another phone and he's the head of the GRC. And there we go. There's our big reveal, you know, that the power broker and the GRC are playing both sides against each other. And then we can move on to our end game. Um, right. yeah, I've been wondering more and more if we're going to get whoever this big character is that it may be a um, some kind of politician or political, like I'm thinking almost like a Henry Gyrick or like, you know, somebody who's a suit or mm-hmm. yeah. uh, something like that. And to me, that's, that's the kind of thing that would fit really well here and could be connected somehow to um, could be connected to power broker stuff. But uh, to me, that's, that's what we're going to get. I'm not expecting like a full superhero costume of, you know, somebody. So, I mean, we're, we're in agreement that, I mean, the big character is the power broker, right? And it's just like a big name actor or something. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's more that it's a big name actor and not that the character, you know, himself is going to, you know, it's not a Mephisto is what I'm saying. Um, I will say probably maybe is. Oh, okay. Um, But I think Mm -hmm. I have an idea of who the actor is. Oh, that's interesting. uh, Okay, well, you know, maybe so. You heard it that. here first, guys. <laughs> no, you don't say that. No, we're gonna have to strike this part from the record. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, I mean, we we didn't hear it here first for page, Patreon supporters only. Yeah. <laughs> like, to be hopefully, fair, Adam, we might need to. There's well, only three point five billion. You know, it's not like you <laughs> right, gave us right. a lot. Of well, details. no, I just don't want this to go out and Marvel Studios spoiler subreddit to get it and people showing up my house or something. Um. <laughs> If you want a w- tremendous waste of time, just scroll through that subreddit and look at the people and read what the people have to say because it is a waste of time. The one thing I did want to bring up, Caleb, earlier is that you're um, re-watching the MCU with your oldest. Yeah. Um, this Is this show going to be a skip for you guys? No. I mean, it's, it's a little bloodier. It's a little vi- more violent, but not, I don't know. It doesn't this is okay. So this is a, the, the other criticism I had with this this fight thing. Where did all the blood come from? Because they showed his body there, and his body's just fine. Where's all the the blood coming from on the shield? And oh no, he took the guy's head off. He oh, he did. He did decapitate the guy. Uh-uh, no, there'd be a lot alive. more blood. There'd be the, a lot more blood. The last shot, the way the body is slumped, the head could totally be off the back, and you can't see it. Oh, I thought oh. you saw the head. Oof. Did you not see the head? I don't think Is so. The head on there? I don't know. Now I got to rewatch it quick. Well, they wouldn't. Well, show, that makes sense. They wouldn't show that. 
Um, it, I mean, originally that's what I thought was happening, but I also didn't think we would get repeated, uh, repeated shots of him. Uh, oh, well, you know, like, like you can only get to, to like the <laughs> neck, and then you got to get another one to get through the the spine. You know, yeah. That's I thought we were going to get the... one big guillotine, you know, of the the shield right through the guy's head, and everyone would be appalled and horrified, and we just see yeah. reaction shots. <laughs> That's why it makes no sense for the R-rated conversation, right? Because why do you need more than what we just got? Yeah. And it's funny to me, Adam, you've talked about whether it's like the blood that gets the rating more than the action. I'm starting to think it's the sound effects that get it more than anything. (laughs) Like if you got a real like squishy, like, you know, like when he came down, that would have gone to the R, even if it was the same shot, you know? What was, I mean, this was still TV 14 and stuff. I think so, yeah. Which yeah, is insane because they say every other. Now that I saw that viral tweet, I, I'm like, yeah. man, they say a lot. Yeah, I want to go back and and check uh, the the Sam meter, you know, because yeah. he definitely said twice in this. Wait a second, we can't say that word <laughs> on this podcast. No, you're fine. Uh, I mean, okay, um, I, I, I'll, I'll it'll be fine. <laughs> all right, I apologize. No, you're good. But man. um. <laughs> But yeah, like it, it was, it's, it's funny. It just now that we, we see it, we can't unsee it, right. um, but I'd like to backtrack a little bit because, you know, we got to talk a little bit more about the Dora Milaje, right? We got to mm-hmm. talk yeah. a, lot of, a little bit more about, about the white wolf and his time in Wakanda. And, uh, apparently, you know, seeing the moment that he's, he's freed of, of the trigger words. And I think they did a tremendous amount of, in not so many scenes, you know, bringing uh, a Io to the forefront as a as a character that we should care about, um, which bodes well for future Wakanda projects. Yeah, and that her and Bucky have a personal connection. Mm-hmm. Like it's a little thing, but that scene at the beginning when he's then trying to hold her back from killing Walker, mm-hmm. and he uses her name. It's just it's just a little thing, but it shows the depth of their connection and it helps make the universe a little richer to know that it's, she's not just a random Dora Milaje um, warrior. She's a particular person that he knows and he cares about. Right. And I like that they reminded us that she was part of the protection detail for T'Chaka, you know, that for her personally, um, T'Chaka dying on her watch would be the same as kind of like a secret service agent, you know, who, who's got a president assassinated on, you know, on his or her watch, like having to carry that forward, um, that, that shame and that disappointment every day of their lives. I, I don't know if you saw this the same way I saw it, but when, um, when Io does the whatever code thing that she does on the arm and mm-hmm. makes, and makes his arm detach, like the, the eye contact, eye contact that they make the look of sadness and betrayal on um on um on bucky's on bucky's face and the sort of look of resignation on io's face where she's just basically like damn you james you know for making me do that like you know it i felt it in my heart i was like wow it was it was only an it was less than an hour and and i now buy that they have a deep uh spiritual connection the two of them yeah and that ultimately they were someone who made him feel like he could be trusted again, but it turns out they really didn't trust him that much because right. they put in a fail safe. <laughs> exactly. 
Exactly. Um, how did John get the? Did John get the shield back? Are there multiple shields? Because didn't they take the shield? No, they handed it right back to him. No, they handed they? it to him. Yeah, yeah, and that was such a punk, punk. Uh, you got punked out move too because she's holding it like as the way Captain America would hold it and then they're like leave it you know and he gives it back to him like you even then he wasn't worthy of the shield even then he couldn't hold it and th- at that point we knew that he was taking that serum like it was there was no way around that <laughs> for just a moment I like repainted the shield in my head for a Captain Wakanda you know for Io <laughs> like yes. it'd be incredible to see her running around with shield <laughs> Oh man, I think I had made I made jokes that um, the fact that that other the other Dora Milaje who I'll just call like Iite or whatever, um, like <laughs> um, like the fact that she was was so perfect in terms of flipping the shield up and catching it. I was like, oh yeah, you know, the shield is just a a, a disc to them, a, a vibranium disc. They probably train with vibranium discs like in first first grade of of Dora Milaje school. Like they teach them how to use the oh, yeah, they, have, they have vibranium <laughs> frisbees in, exactly. in the playground. Yeah, yeah exactly. It was like every every Wakandan knows how to throw the shield. <laughs> One of the things I really enjoyed about this episode was uh, I I feel like they are building a much firmer sort of philosophical message. Mm-hmm. And to me, the show is coming out pretty strongly as a, a show that's in favor of nonviolence and the principle of nonviolence. Right. Because I think in this episode, what we had was this sort of violence escalation. Right. Where Sam and Carly, they're making progress. But then Walker comes in and turns it into a fight. And so she has to make a plan and that kills Battlestar. And then as bad as Walker's been, he hasn't, at least in the show, been a murderous bad Mm -hmm. until he experiences the death of his friend. And this idea that like that if you're going to try to fix something with violence it's probably just going to spur more violence and Mm -hmm. cascade out of control to me the show very strongly pointed to that and that all of the characters on every side when they are exposed to violence it brings more out of them and then to, to to bring it all together the very beginning scene bucky is told he's free and there is like a spiritual feeling to that you're free now bucky Right. And he's free because he can't be used as a weapon anymore. Right. And, and he's free because he's free to live a, a, a world, live a life that's not defined by the amount of violence he can do. Yeah. And you know? to me, that's a really great philosophical route. And it, to mm-hmm. me, it's, I think it's a little risky in the environment we live in. Cause I think a lot of conversations I see anymore on social media has kind of moved a little bit away from uh, you know, sort of the, the, the prominence that nonviolence had from say the, mm-hmm. the sixties to the last, to, to nine, to the nineties, there's been this change this century where there's been like, no, sometimes nonviolence is just an excuse not to resist the things you should. Right. And we, you know, we've seen this in like, people say simple things like, yeah, I'm not in favor of violence, but punch a Nazi if you see them. Yeah. And I think this, this show is arguing against that a little bit. And I think yeah, that's it's arguing really the limitations of that worldview, you know, because like when you have that scene of where, um, you know, Sam 
you know, where Sam is talking to Carly and he talks about how he agrees with the people she's fighting, but her methods are the people that she killed. And she just kind of like dismisses, you know, their lives and how, you know, she'd kill them again if she could. And, and he, and he's like, wow. Like he just like that, just the, the way he plays that, the way Mackie plays that and the way Sam as a character, like it was consistent with the character, the idea that he's, remember he, he was a soldier. You know, he he killed people and he's, you know, occasionally still does kill people, but he also counsels people through the aftermath. He counsels them through the trauma, the humanity of it all. And and he understands that that this this may not be all that she is, but she's treading down a dangerous road okay. and that and that she needs to listen to herself rather than just have people tell her that she's could be another Captain America. You know, I, I like it's weird. Obviously, we joked about how uh, Zemo, you know, speaks the truth uh, in certain ways. But um, in this episode, even though we know that Zemo's villainous, he does talk about how, you know, there is this, it's this escalation. This, the concept of the super soldier is itself an escalation, mm-hmm. you know, and we're, and we're seeing that play out. You know, there's, there, there's been killing on both sides. There are now super soldiers on both sides and, and, while I'm still murky on what the end game is as far as like broader purposes, we definitely know that they're they're going to come together and there's going to be more violence. Now, I have a speculation that that the person that they're moving towards is Isaiah Bradley. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Hope so. I, that's the other part. Like, what happens if he has to come back? Right. I mean, episode two wasn't. Mm-mm all of the bradley bradley clan hopefully the show will deserve incredible criticism if they introduced him for just that 30 second scene and then they don't come back to it he he deserves they they yeah. built enough that he deserves some space to have more of his story as part of this yeah i mean the sad the sad thing is that right now right now they're you know as far as where, the, where we are in the plot there there's no more serum and and what at least the people in that room with uh, Dr. Nagel know is that the serum was derived from Isaiah Bradley's blood. Um, I don't remember if Sharon was there to hear it, but if she's passed that information along to the power broker, or, you know, if she is the power broker, (laughs) then, then we have to assume that, that um, potentially Zemo is heading there. But if they want more serum, they have to kidnap and extract blood from from Bradley, which means I think that's where we're going next week. Um, yeah, you know, and who who the casualties of that fight might be is going to be interesting as well as far as the story that they're telling, especially this the place it's set in Baltimore, you know, which is a place that's kind of known for its for the violence that happens there. Yeah, just another random thought. When we talk about the actor who'll show up, it'd be really interesting if it was another Captain America, like a Jeffrey Mace, you know, or somebody mm. like that. Like that would be another. Oh, don't, don't, don't say that. <laughs> don't, don't manifest that, please. Oh, uh, um, uh, you do you want uh, Agents of Shield truthers in your mentions? We have. Uh, <laughs> have we? I know we joked about it in WandaVision, but is Grant Ward the power broker? Have we brought that up and? <laughs> in this oh. yet man it's just i don't know 
we'll see. We're 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 done. We have two weeks left, and we're we're done. I will say this: this is far less episodic, I guess, than WandaVision. It feels a lot less like a TV show, right? Yeah, I mean, each episode doesn't feel as self-contained um, as you know thematically as WandaVision did because of the whole decades thing. Right. Well, you well, know, I mentioned you- we're going to rewatch these like with our kiddos or go through them. Mm-hmm. This show is going to be so neat. One and two, obviously, make an act one to watch on one night, and then mm-hmm. three and four are clearly a second act that'll be on another night, and then four and five. I think five and six will probably go together. You know, like mm-hmm. I think this is very, very much a movie that's just been split up into pieces. A very long movie that's yeah. been split up into pieces. Yeah, it's the it's the six hour movie. It's the uh, yeah. yeah, this Falcon and Winter Soldier Snyder cut. <laughs> speaking of that person when uh the guy at the grave when they were like retrieving the serum he's like i used to believe in captain america but heroes these days have to get their hands dirty i was like oh zach snyder's in this show apparently. <laughs> exactly is that exactly what he said about <laughs> batman and so the poetic irony that the guy who felt like captain america was too naive and needed to get his hands dirty more died by the hands of the episode by at the hands of a captain america who gets his hands dirty exactly Uh, yes like and i think that that was intentional i think it was meant to draw that parallel between you know they're on two different sides but they're the same person in terms of their belief in those methods all right cool um let's hit the mailbag real quick uh over on the website love waffle uh was saying that he had a very similar reaction to you, Michael, when he saw uh, Taskmaster in the latest Black Widow trailer. And he said, in case anyone is still wondering if Rachel Weiss is really playing Taskmaster, that's definitely not Rachel Weiss. <laughs> so uh, I'm interested. I-, I guess that was a big thing, right? Who the task- who's going to be Taskmaster, or if it's a, a woman, or if it's... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't even remember the storylines what people wanted to see in this movie anymore. So... I mean, we still haven't figured out who OT Fag Benny is playing, right? So, like, right. I mean, that was a lot of people's original original um, speculation as to, you know, he was going to be Taskmaster. Yeah. Uh, not too much over on Twitter. We did get one, I think, just this morning from uh, Ma- uh, Manuel uh, Whitkey or Vitkey. I never know. I think it may be Vitkey, given uh, Manuel's um, nationality. But... Anyways, he was just saying he listened to the pod after watching episode four last week's, and he was impressed, Michael, at how many things you got right last week. So if Isaiah Bradley has been kidnapped by the power broker this time (laughs) next week, we'll have hit again. Well, hopefully the streak continues, hopefully. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right. Do you guys have anything else before we wrap up? No, I think that we had a great show, chock full of uh, great discussions. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks everybody for listening to the pod. Um, you can obviously support us at patreon.com slash Marvel News Desk. That uh, funds go into paying for the website and all the hosting, all that kind of stuff. Also, uh, if you want to follow us on social media, we're at most social media platforms uh, with just slash Marvel News Desk, Twitter, uh, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, let me pull up actually our Facebook real quick. Thanks to Tim. Uh, Cox for our logo. You can find him on Instagram at Tim V Cox. And thanks to Alvin for the theme music. You can find him at a variety of our social media platforms, uh, our any social media platforms, at, um, at the Skull School. 
This is what happens when I try to look something up on Facebook at the same time that I'm talking. And uh, but also thanks to everybody. We are getting more comments now on Facebook. It's been nice to hear from you guys. Um, last week's episode. Uh, oh, Andrew Baker was just saying that he wants a uh, show of uh, Zemo going across Europe uh, dancing. And then there was. <laughs> Some talk about. Wait, we should have talked about the one hour uh, yeah, Zemo the, the Zemo dance cut. routine. Yeah. Uh, just brilliant marketing from, from Marvel. For, this is what everybody sure. wanted. So good, good job, guys. All right. That does it. Thanks for listening to the show. We'll see you later. All right. Bye.